God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right, all right, all right. This is the uh, A Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan, and I am joined by co-host, founder, creator, and all things A Sea of Red, John Manson. John, happy Thursday morning to you. How you doing? Doing good, Chad. You get some snow down in Roanoke? Uh, yeah, we did. Um, get a little dusting. It's on the roof. Um, on, the kids still had to go to school. I think we're the only... They go to a private school here in Roanoke, and it's the only school in town that still had to go. So uh, my wife wasn't happy about that, but uh, because she's a teacher. But yeah, got a little snow. It's really pretty, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we've talked, and uh, we got a lot going on. I wanted to uh, first of all say that we have Coach McKay and Ian McCall interviews coming up in this podcast, and uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking. Uh, Liberty Hoops and Liberty Football, as always. Um, John, I wanted to get your thoughts first before we jump into hoops. I wanted to get your thoughts on the coaching search. It feels like the finality of that when Tennessee hired um, the guy from UCF, I forget, his name's blanking, Josh something. Hoop, Heipel. 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 Yeah. Um, when they hired him, it felt like, okay. Um, you know, we've dodged all the SEC bullets. There's no other job out there. Um, what are your thoughts on just the coaching search and keeping freeze this year? Job, four SEC jobs would come open, t- including Tennessee and Auburn. I would have been very nervous. Um, you know, just because I think both of those jobs are very intriguing to Coach Freeze. I think he was kind of playing in the background there. He might have been more of a consider- serious contender to, to take over there. But uh, with that going on, I don't think they – want to or necessarily can bring in somebody that that's been fired from a previous sec head coaching gig where where he was fired uh partly in due to to recruiting sanctions but for liberty i think it's huge for him to for liberty to get through now two cycles with freeze uh still as their head coach entering year three you know barring any you know late 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 surprises you know i mean we're getting into february now in the next couple days so this would be definitely late for a coaching change but um you know i think it's huge for liberty and 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 building this program and something you know else to consider is you know what other jobs out there are going to come open that he would be interested in and would take um that haven't that that are going to come open over the next couple years i mean because auburn and tennessee like you know you would imagine those coaches each get at least three years unless something crazy goes on and and what other jobs are there out there that he would take? I mean, I, I just don't see many other out there. So I think Liberty has has uh, dodged a bullet, if you will, with these first two searches. And, and I think Freeze might be there for – might be a Liberty for, you know, 
at least five years, maybe. I mean, you never know what will happen in coaching searches. But, yeah, it's huge as uh, Liberty looks to uh, continue to build this program. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I feel like, you know, I'm feeling good about getting a couple more freeze recruiting classes. I feel like that, we, you know, something that has been running in my mind is we need to get run it back and do that again. If we want, like, we, we crept into the top 25, we surprised some people in the top 25. If we can do that for one, maybe two more years, that that adds total legitimacy to a program instead of just kind of a flash in the pan type thing. So I think the next few years are critical. I think Ian understands that. So I'm so glad we have Freeze at the helm do it to do that. John, I have been to a couple of games. Um, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, we are live streaming this right now on Twitter as well. Um, so we have the video going. We have got a bunch of stuff going. So I uh, just wanted to kind of let you guys know that. But John, something that I have have been several times now, the Liberty Arena. Let's just talk about the Liberty Arena for just a second. First of all, how does it feel to be moved from courtside seats at the Vines to top left corner at the uh, at the Liberty Arena as far as like media goes? Is it is it different up there? Are you able to see the game just as good? Um, what do you like about it? What do you not like about being up there? Well, first of all, I'm just glad to be able to go there. Although it's been feels like it's been a month since we've been over there. A uh, lot of weird schedule, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, yeah, it's been. Um, it, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm glad to be in there. We've been into uh, every home game except for the non D ones that it make. Uh, so that's been fun. Uh, it, it's different, but it, you know, it's kind of similar to football. I mean, football. We're in the press box, uh, way up secluded from any fans even in a normal year when there's you know 15,000 plus uh, fans in the stands but uh, you know so we're secluded from them so basketball similar to that you know it was always different when you go from being in in a football press box secluded from everyone no one can really see you to being you know on the court you know sidelines where everybody can see you and right next to the players and everything it's always was an interesting shift uh, from, from a media perspective. Uh, but yeah, we're we're you know Stephen Gonzalez, the SID for men's basketball, has uh, done a great job, you know, allowing us media members to get in there and, and to have seats. And I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit. But the Liberty Arena, there's not a bad seat in the place. So you know, it's not you know being up there at the top of the concourse is not a bad place. It might have been you know at the Vine Center. You remember being up so high at at the concourse there? That would be more difficult to kind of follow the game, but you know, it's not that bad, and and it's not a view, bad view even from the corner, um, kind of behind one basket. So, you know, it, it's a beautiful arena. Um, you know, I was, you know, joking with you and my wife about, you know, it'd be great to get into some volleyball games this year, just to get in and see Liberty Arena. Not, not, uh, you know, not to mention, you know, wanting to watch Liberty volleyball, watch their game, their match last Friday against VCU. I know you were there, but um, you know, that, that's been a uh, a fun thing. It's a, it's a beautiful arena, and and too bad we can't get the A Sun tournament in there this year. I, you know, especially with fans. I can't wait till there's fans there. Once you put four thousand fans in this arena, that that home court. You know, we tweeted a lot of and wrote some ar an article this week about the uh, home court advantage Liberty's had football, basketball, men's basketball, and women's basketball both. And uh, just imagine it with four thousand fans in there. That, that Liberty will be nearly unbeat unbeatable. Uh, at a packed Liberty Arena. 
And I totally agree. Shout out the volleyball team. Love the court. It's like this thick mat that they put on top. It's almost like a, a wooden plastic combo mat that they put on top. It looks great. And I'm sure it's uh, easier on the, the, the ladies as they play in volleyball, landing on their elbows and whatnot. But um, all right, basketball, deep dive basketball. Look, I got my Richie specs on. Uh, I, I, these are un, non-prescription um, glasses that I just love Richie's swag, Coach McKay. And uh, so I wear these Richie specs, hoping that they give me any type of insight into what goes on in his brain and and how he is doing this. This is incredible. This is a reload season. I know we kind of talked about that earlier, but uh, this is, we thought, okay, we have a couple of seniors. We just lost four of potentially four guys who I would consider, you know, several of them in the top 10 all time at Liberty. Um, maybe the the best of all time in Caleb. I mean, he, he's in the G league right now. He, he, he was a stat stuffer. Basically he would pass the ball, rebound the ball, score the ball, whatever we needed him to do. And, and you know where I'd noticed Caleb a lot now that he's gone, I kind of miss Caleb in those moments in games. I noticed it in the Lipscomb game earlier and maybe the, um, Stetson game when things weren't falling, when things weren't going well with the offense, Caleb had the ISO game that could pull us out of a, a, a basically a lull in the offense. And I think we missed that a little bit. But here we are with m- missing all of those guys. Georgie, who had this incredible assist-to-turnover ratio. Mayo, who was phenomenal at defense and basically just this huge force in the paint. Um, and then you go to, uh, you know, we lose those four guys. And, and, and we think, oh, no, what's this basketball season going to be like? We have reloaded officially. We're like a top team in the A-Sun, have every, every avenue to the NCAA tournament. John, who has stepped up in replace of those four? Who, who are, obviously, we have a, a couple of guys, but who are the top two or three guys that have really just kind of not really surprised, but have stepped in and, and done well this year and taken that opportunity that they've been given created by four people leaving um who who is that for you this year well i first wanted to to make a point as to as our host leaves um if you're watching the live stream uh maybe the baby's crying but anyways i first wanted to point out something chad had just said about um you know having caleb a guy like that that could finish at the end uh or in close moments or times uh i put a stat out on on the site this uh, last week, I think it was, maybe in, in the last two weeks, since the Stetson game. And um, I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it was something to the effect of Liberty um, is undefeated in games decided by more than 10 points. Or maybe they have one loss, and that was to Purdue in the first first uh, first game of the year. And then games decided by less than 10 points, Liberty has just uh, Liberty has lost the rest of their game. So uh, four losses, I think, what do they got? Five total losses, so they got – one loss greater than 10, four losses less than 10 points. And I think that goes into the fact that what you're talking about of not having somebody like Caleb, even somebody like Georgia. I mean, Georgia Pacheco Ortiz was such a clutch player. He, he had uh, multiple uh, game-winning shots or, or clutch baskets in final minutes to win games. Remember his, his three-pointer he hit against Georgia State that I think sent that game to overtime in the final seconds, I think his sophomore year. Uh, then his junior season in the A-Sun Championship game at Lipscomb, he hit that uh, probably the biggest shot or one of the biggest shots in Liberty basketball history from the corner, that three-pointer that kind of put the flames up, I think, by four or, or 
or so to kind of put that game out of reach in the final seconds. So Liberty doesn't really have a guy like that, or at least they don't have a guy that has had to perform in those clutch moments like that. You would think somebody like a Darius McGee would be that guy, but but he's more of a uh, volume shooter, uh, a catch and release guy, um, rather than a guy that can necessarily create his own shots. Not to say he can't create his own shot. He certainly can. Uh, but I think that's, you know, as we enter the stretch run, you know, you're probably going to have some more close games and, and closing minutes. That's the biggest thing Coach McKay and the Flames need to figure out is who's that go-to guy in the closing minutes to, to help them kind of seal these, these close games and, and close wins. I think that was a big problem in the, the game Friday night against Stetson that the Flames lost. Um, you know, but I think, you know, and to answer your question, I think Chris Parker is a guy that can be that type of player. And I think he's, you know, through most, most of the season, he's kind of tried to figure out his role on the team. You know, because coming in, he came in from a D2 Henderson State where he was counted on to be a double-digit scorer. I think he averaged 13.5 points a game there last year, and that was his role. Well, here at Liberty, he doesn't necessarily have to be, have that role. He can be more of a pass-first guy, and, you know, he was up in the top and continues to be top 50, I believe, of, of assists uh, in, in the country. Uh, but I think, you know, we saw it some, I think, at Stetson where – you know, in late minutes where Liberty really needed a basket or the offense was struggling, Parker was a guy that was trying to fi- find a way to, to, to score and create something off the dribble. So I think that's uh, somebody that, that they could turn to. Um, you know, so Parker's obviously a guy that stepped up big. I, I, we could talk a lot about him and, and his contributions this year. Um, obviously, Darius McGee, we all kind of expected him to increase his scoring production. Um but Blake Preston, man, we have not given enough love. I don't think anybody's given enough love to Blake Preston. This is an in-palm subscribers. He has a, uh, a son. As you get to this point of the season, he has an a son, all first team candidates, his top five as of right now. And it's computer generated, obviously. But he has Blake Preston as the a son player of the year at this point, uh, which if anybody would have said that, that would have just been, been a, a shock. But, uh, you know, so those are a couple of guys, you know, Blake, uh, definitely that have kind of stood out and, and you know I would say surprised from what we might have expected preseason yeah and I would just like to go back to a comment and I, I've gone back to this a couple of times but preseason Cuffy basically said those were great players but we're a great team and we're reloading with new talent and boy I kind of just took that at the beginning of the season like wow like we're losing these guys and Cuffy's still that confident like, I, I didn't know if it would come to fruition, but he's so right. He's so right. Basketball is a team game. Uh, we have reloaded with talent. And you look at it, every. that's the thing I love about McKay's teams is even though Caleb was a star, he still was a piece to a, to a good team. I mean, he, he still wasn't the star every night. And that's how this team has been. I mean, Cuffy is obviously super automatic, 10 points a night, just quietly getting his. Um, Darius can flash off for 30 or get seven. And same with same with some of these other guys. And it's just like, you know, it's not really inconsistent by the individual player as more as it is uh, versatile and multidimensional as a team. I think I don't look at it as a negative like, oh, Darius didn't get his 30 like we're in trouble. I look at it as, OK, Darius didn't get his 30, but that provides an opportunity for one of the other eight guys who could step up and get, you know, double digits or even score in the 20s. So that has been amazing. Um, to watch now what are your thoughts going forward obviously the ASUN tournament got moved to Jacksonville I plan to ask McKay and Ian about that later on what are your thoughts about the tournament and do we have 
do we have tournament a tournament type team? And I know that that's kind of kind of like, but a, a, I don't know how to explain it other than during the regular season, the teams that are real consistent and have that spread out scoring seem to do better. And then when you get into the tournament, I mean, for example, I mean, just look at the turn, teams that make tournament runs in these smaller mid-major conferences. Chris Clemens comes to mind. Is I think that was his name at Campbell. Um, man, what he did in the tournament time, he could he just put a team on his back and just carried them to the finals. And I think that tournament teams, better tournament teams, are the are teams that have that one or two. That's just my opinion. And uh, so I want to get your thoughts. Yes, we're a good regular season team. Yes, we're going to finish near the top of the A Sun this year. But do we have what it takes? Do we have the roster to make a run in and win the A Sun tournament? But also make a run in the NCAA tournament, win a game or two. Do we have that type of roster, um, or are we a regular season team, in your opinion? It's an interesting dynamic that you bring up, because I do think that Liberty is, um, I I don't know if I can say heads and shoulders, but I do think Liberty is the best team in the A-Sun. You look at all the computer rankings, they have Liberty top 100 or right at the top 100, and there's no other team in the top 200 in the A-Sun. Um, so I, I do think Liberty is the best team. I think maybe what we've seen is, you know, when they get prepared to play, and we've seen it Friday nights, you know, we've talked a lot about them struggling Friday nights, but uh, in that back-to-back. But I think when they, you know, get ready to play at Stetson or a Kennesaw State, and hopefully not against a Jacksonville this weekend, but, um, you know, I think what happens, and, you know, no offense to those teams, that'll bear itself out, provided everybody gets their full 16 uh, conference games with the COVID concerns we have. Um, um, you know, uh, that Caleb Holmesley or, or Georgia Pacheco standing in Liberty's way of winning an A-Sun tournament this season. Um, can they do it? Sure. They're the best team in the conference. Uh, on one night, can a team uh, like a North Alabama or, or a, uh, you know, Lipscomb, obviously, or somebody like that get them? Sure. Um, it, but you, you speak about guys that can get hot. McGee could be that player. I mean, we looked at Devon Marshall back, what was that, 2013, where Liberty came out of nowhere and won the conference title in the Big South. Devon Marshall got hot for like four straight nights and just carried Liberty to the championship. McGee could be that guy. I mean, if Liberty's able to get – but we all knew coming into this season that, you know, we would be happy with a team competing for an A-Sun championship. And I think we got spoiled the first you know week or so of the season with those two Power Five wins, and now we're all of a sudden we're expecting to to be a thirty win team like we were the last two years, and and I'm not sure we're that this year. Yeah, um, yeah, I I don't think so, but I do think the team has. Here's the thing: we got McKay only recruits, and this will be my last last question here is. McKay only recruits guys who can shoot. Besides Blake Preston, who is a true center, in my opinion, uh, we got guys that can get hot. I mean, you saw a B in the first the first couple games of the season, uh, all the way to Darius, Eli- uh, Elijah, everybody is, can get hot from three. And when you have that many guys that can shoot the three ball, you're in every game. So my, my question to you is recruiting philosophy. Uh, we have... We don't have a traditional big man. Azadula kind of hurts us a little bit. But in the A-Sun, I mean, I don't see how you can question Richie's record or what he's doing. But, you know, it is kind of one of those things that that a lot of fans are talking about. In the A-Sun, can we consistently win with this four-guard, four-wing? You know, you've, you've 
actually tweeted it out or or wrote articles about it that basically we only recruit wing players. We don't recruit point guards. We don't recruit centers. We recruit wing players. What are your thoughts on that? Can we consistently win at that at this level if we were to you know, wanting to win in the NCAA, if we moved up to a different conference, if the competition was different, would we have to change that philosophy? Is that something that only works in the A-Sun? Uh, what are your just thoughts about wing players? It is pretty early. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, look at Blake Preston, Scotty James, Mayo. He's got guys that play the post, Shiloh. Um, but I think Shiloh is kind of like the prototypical big, quote-unquote, for uh, for Liberty under under McKay is a guy that's six seven six eight. He's got that length uh, in the A Sun. He can compete against um, you know the best there is in, in the league. You know Asadula withstanding because he's such a beast at this level. But you don't see many guys that good at this level. So Liberty doesn't have to worry about that too much. But the the big question, yes, they can definitely win at the uh, A Sun level with this type of roster makeup. He's proven that the last two years and this year now, so three straight years. Uh, really four straight if you can go back to the Big South, the final year there. But, um, yeah, I mean, to, to compete on a national stage in, um, you know, if you go back to those first four or five games of the season, what was Liberty's biggest weakness against those teams, Purdue and uh, Mississippi State, South Carolina, TCU, was the bigs, their, their play of the bigs. And, and that might have been Liberty's biggest strength the last couple of years with Scotty James and Mayo Baxter-Bell is having that one-two punch inside. And, you know, so that could hurt Liberty when they go up against those Power 5 teams. But what does people, what does everybody always say about, you know, what wins in March? Guards, guard play. So if Liberty is able to put together a backcourt that's, you know, one of the best in the country from a mid-majors perspective, maybe one of the competing for one of the top, you know, 10 or 15 backcourts in all the country, then sure, they can do it. Look at what Davidson did when, when Stephen Curry was there. I mean, they were an elite eight team and a legit top 25 uh, team for those couple of years. Is that sustainable? Because there's not many Stephen Currys that come through uh, places like Liberty or, or Davidson that often. So is that sustainable? That's a big question. But one thing I know is I'm not going to doubt uh, Coach McKay. I think his track record speaks for itself, especially these past two years since he's been back at Liberty. Yeah. John, I feel like we could just keep on talking and uh, <laughs> we could keep going because there's so much to discuss with Liberty Athletics right now. It's the golden era. We're right in the middle of it. It's been a blast. We're we're just loving every minute of this. I just want to, before we go, I just want to shout out, and uh, we do this every episode, so it's not really a shout out, but I want to continue mentioning how incredible it is what Ian McCall and his staff have done with Liberty Athletics. I mean, we we have made the biggest turnaround in football our basketball program has made an even bigger turnaround, but we focus mainly on those because that's our interest. And that's kind of, you know, what a lot of fans like to read about and that moves the needle, so to speak, but look at throughout the entire athletic department. I mean, every, every we're winning championships. I think there was some odd stat about the uh, fall sports winning every single ace on championship, something weird like that or something incredible like that. It's just like, we're, we're this is if you are not involved with the flames club or season tickets i'm telling you that now is the time to help generate that revenue through those two think about when we have byu and and virginia tech on the same football schedule or the uh liberty arena is able to be packed you know we're not going to have those 7000 fan nights anymore so think of the premium that season tickets are going to have so and being a part of the Flames Club to be able to even get tickets. Um, now's the time 
it's like it's like I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but it's like watching the um, watching what they're calling the retail bros take down the the um, hedge fund guys. Like they're reading the market and they're kind of just they're kind of like, all right, I'm getting in now. Let's all go in now. Drive the price up. That's happening at Liberty right now for season tickets and Flames Club. Hop in now. Get in uh, before before it's basically unavailable. So. Uh, it's been fun to watch. So, John, thank you again. All you do for a sea of red, it's like it goes, it goes. <laughs> it's a thankless job at times where you, you know, you write the wrong story or you tweet the wrong thing, and you just get slammed for a couple of days. But then the other 363 days out of the year, it's just like I can open up my computer, I can read about Liberty Flames, I get quotes from coaches, I get quotes from players, I get all the analysis. It's so fun to follow a sea of red. So, thank you for doing all that, all the time and effort you put in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and with that, John, you got any final thoughts about just Liberty athletics in general and what we're, what we're even doing here? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and to kind of piggyback on, on what you were saying just a minute ago, yeah, we couldn't be remiss to not, you know, appreciate what Ian McCall has been able to do here. Uh, but there's also a lot of chatter going on around right now, as there always is every football off season about realignment. And there's some A-Sun news coming out on, on Friday about that. And, and maybe by the time this podcast is published, it'll, it'll probably already be out. But um, Liberty fans always want the next big thing. Well, how do you get to that next big thing, that next big conference, uh, whether it's a Power Five or, or a conference like the AAC? Number one, it's on-field or on-court performance, which the teams are doing that now. You know, put a few of these years together, they're going to be – just fine and conferences will not shy away from Liberty because of their on field or on court performance. Number two is fan engagement. That's, those are the two biggest things that drive uh, realignment conference realignment. So if Liberty is able to get their season tickets up double from what it was a year or two ago uh, from football and men's basketball, sell out Williams stadium, sell out a uh, Liberty arena on a consistent basis, regardless of opponent uh, conferences, be the best uh, of, at all things, especially athletics, and and we need to do our part to uh, make sure that we're matching the performance of these teams on the field and on the court. Yeah, so John, you are preaching to the choir here, man. This is awesome stuff. So I I have to I have to get this in uh, in right now. Is basically the slogan has been "Rise with us," right? And exactly what you said, they've been on the on the on field performance is top dog when it comes time to realignment and stuff, but they want us to rise with them. What does that mean? That means generating revenue. That means our athletic department generating revenue. Why is that so important? Exactly what you just said. Yeah, if we were going to go to the Sun Belt or the Conference USA, our generating revenue is right around the top of those conferences. If we're looking at the American Athletic Conference, we're we're near the bottom third of generating revenue. Why is generating revenue so important? It shows fan engagement. It shows fan engagement, just like John was talking about with uh, Booster Club. So that's the Flames Club. It, season tickets. Those are your two big revenue generators. And I have some questions for Ian about this going forward. But uh, John's exactly right. We need to rise with the teams on the field. They're doing it. They're winning games. They've shown the financial commitment. Now it's the fans' turn to show that commitment to our program to our university that way when the conference realignment happens i don't know if you guys are following but in 2025 supposed to be this huge conference realignment with power fives and everybody involved uh we need to get to the point where we're we can show yes we're winning consistently 
And yes, our fans are engaged. If we can do both of those things, then, uh, then yeah, we're on to bigger and better things. So take that as a challenge. I know I have myself personally. I know, John, you have as well. But both uh, kind of increased our Flames Club giving over the last year. Um, that's not to shout out us at all. That is just to say that we are convicted about about it. we doing our part, rising with them. So uh, very good stuff, John. Thank you very much. With that, um, we'll stop preaching. And we will, uh, we, we've come down, it's been too long, John, it's been too long. This is what, this is what happens when we go this long. So we'll try to get together and do another podcast very shortly. Um, thank you guys so much, John. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And, uh, as always go flames. All right. We have with us coach McKay coach. Can you hear me? Okay. Chad, I can hear you great. How you doing, man? Great. Um, so, Coach, hey, Chad, I, Chad, Chad, congratulations. Uh, how old is the new baby? Uh, the baby is seven months. So he's, seven uh, months. yeah, he's my coworker. So if you hear anything getting um, wild in the background, just uh, it's crew having a little bit of fun. So uh, what's, what's his name, crew? Yeah, crew. Great, yep. great name. How'd you come up with that? Uh, my wife, she took me, took her about six months of convincing me that it was a good name. And now that he's here, I love it. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, man. So, um, coach, I brought my rec Richie specs as I've been calling them. Uh, <laughs> these are supposed to make me a little bit smarter and I'm supposed to be able to analyze basketball a little bit better yeah, with these yeah. on. So, yeah. um, they it's don't help look. me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So I got, um, I got on Twitter. And a bunch of flames. I, I basically told a few guys that I was going to be talking with you. So we're just going to go straight through their questions. Uh, they had some really good questions. So most of these did not come from me, but, but um, very cool stuff here. So we'll just go through them. The first one is basically, um, how has the prevalence of the three ball in college basketball changed? Uh, how does it impact the pack line? Does it change the principles a little bit? Is there a different closeout? Um, basically, the question is, how does the prevalence of the three ball change from the original pack line back when uh, Coach Bennett kind of come up with this philosophy, has it changed a bunch or is it kind of still the same? Yeah, whoever had that question, that's a really good one. And uh, I hope it didn't come from one of our league opponent coaches. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think the defense is a defense, Chad. You know, we, we'll make some really minor tweaks and adjustments to it. But again, you got to remember how I learned this defense. One, uh, my my college uh, coaching mentor and really life mentor. Uh, one of them was Dick Bennett. And, and so I had an affinity for how he had taken mid-major programs at Green Bay and then uh, a high-major program at Wisconsin and made them competitive without all the five-star players and all that. So uh, then having been with Tony for six years at UVA, it, it, we took a program that was maybe mired in mediocrity and, and we made it competitive not just in the league, but nationally. So uh, I really believe in this system. Um, it, you know, we really try and keep the ball out of the pack. And uh, the, the three balls stretches us a little bit. But I, I think the more you build the habits, whether it's closing out, whether it's your on-ball defense, or uh, whether it's in that anticipation and vision uh, repetition, I, I think you, you can still get there. Now, if you're playing Steph Curry, or Seth, uh, it might be a little more challenging, but uh, we're still committed to it. And we, we may make some minor adjustments, but, you know, we haven't played a possession of zone, maybe one, 
two possessions of zone in five years. So obviously we we think we think we're okay in our man defense when we do it right. So along with that, um, how long did it take you to uh, have a grasp on the pack line when you were learning it before you felt comfortable <laughs> being a head coach in that system? How long did it take you? Was it a, you know, you, you talk about a lot about the players grasping it over the years and how the more time you're in it, the better. Um, as a coach, yeah. is it the same thing? Yeah, I, I think the nuances of it, is, the more you're longer you're in it, the better you get at it. And I, I would say the first two years at UVA, I thought I knew it when I went to see Coach Bennett seniors practices or watch them on film. But when you're in it daily, you get indoctrinated in the details. And uh, that's why I say, you know, six years there, I, I got a master's borderline PhD in the pack. And uh, Ron Sanchez, who's the coach at Charlotte, uh, you know, you, you'd see a very similar style of defense if you watched us and them. And we're both, you know, from that uh, Bennett tree, if you will. So, uh, and coach does a great job of constantly adjusting to what's new in college basketball, the different wrinkle that has trickled down from the NBA. And, and when you see it more, we just kind of make little adjustments and <clears throat> we, yeah, I talked to him a lot and, uh, and, and talked to Sanchez a lot. And we, uh, we just keep trying to, to make it just a little bit better given the offenses that we face. Um, so with, with COVID, everybody's work experience is a little bit, has been different over the last year with a lot of virtual meetings and stuff like that. So the question is, um, what was your experience with COVID? Were you able to uh, interact with your team much? Did you guys still have meetings regularly? I mean, this is crazy that you and I are talking video chat, live stream. I mean, it's, it's just bonkers and things have gotten so much better. I wonder how did that affect you whenever you had COVID? Were you still able to relate to the team and, and, um, you know, I, I know that I've heard you say you watch the game on the couch, but I was wondering why why not why not just get on FaceTime with Susie or something and coach right there from your couch. So can you just talk yeah. to us a little bit about your COVID experience and how how you were able to interact with the team and coaches during that period? Yeah, I'll take your first or your second question first. Um, the, the NCAA doesn't allow technology on the bench during the game, so <clears throat> we we weren't afforded an opportunity to do uh, to coach from afar. Um, I, I did have a few suggestions that uh, I sent half, at halftime. I'm not sure if they looked at them or not. I mean, they told me they did, but who knows? Um, but we have a great group of assistant coaches too, Chad. So they're fully capable of uh, running it in my absence. Now, when I had COVID, um, I would watch practice uh, on, I'd watch the practice <clears throat> live on uh, on the computer. And um, we, we all visited about the practice plan and uh, had a post-practice wrap-up. Uh, it was a real challenge. The, the, the dynamic of being in close proximity with the people you do life daily with, the people that mean so much to you, uh, man, when you're removed from that, it's hard. Uh, great quote that our program tries to live by is family just isn't represented in your blood relatives, but it's anyone that loves you unconditionally. And I, I feel like that uh, that's been a foundational uh, influencer in our programs, connectivity, uh, the way we do life together, uh, the way we extend grace and mercy, like God has done for us. So I, I just, yeah, it was, it was hard not being there. Um, and, and I, I missed them, uh, that interaction, that, that close proximity, but, uh, I do also think there was a benefit in it, Chad. And that was, uh, man, you really see 
what may be too important in your life and you get a chance to recenter or uh, become a little more stabilized. That pendulum isn't swinging like this. You get it, you get it back to center. That's a, that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, glad you're glad you're back with the team. It was a uh, kind of missed you on the road there. And um, so this one comes from, I guess, an old school basketball uh, Liberty fan. Uh, he says, is there anything that you miss about the big South, like the towns and the arenas and the coaches that you competed against the rivalries, anything from that perspective that you miss about the big South? Do you miss riding up to Radford and uh, that day trip and anything that you kind of got used to and liked specifically? Uh, you know, the, the big South is a good conference and really have a lot of respect for, uh, the coaches that reside, uh, who we competed against. And, uh, Kyle Kalander, I thought was a terrific commissioner. Um, I, I think I would answer that question by saying, I don't miss the, the trip, the Charleston Southern <clears throat> and some of the cities that we went to, uh, uh, Bowie's Creek. And, uh, I can't remember where Presbyterian is. What's the name of that city? Uh, starts with a C. Something. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah anyway. that, those trips were, uh, there wasn't a lot to do in terms of your dining experience. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, I, I, I do think they, uh, they've got really good leadership in that league. And as we do in the A-Sun, uh, you know, I, it, since that's out of my control, what league affiliation that we're a part of, I really, uh, kind of focus on the now, but good question. I, I I haven't really missed anything. I'm a little more focused on, and I don't mind going to Florida on uh, road <laughs> trips, uh, yeah. especially when it's snowing out there. And I don't know what the weather is in Jacksonville, but my guess is it's not snowing. Yeah, I guess as a fan, we kind of, uh, I guess where that question may have come from is we're, you know, I miss the, uh, what I personally miss is the hour trip up to Radford. I, I love yeah. that away game. That was fun. So, yeah. Um, hey, Chad, that's a great point. That is one thing that I do miss that that rivalry became really good and mm -hmm. yeah uh, and and it, it was good before me i'm sure uh but remember the championship game and oh man was that that it was a packed house it was a it was about a 50 50 split on each side and uh you know to this day my family jokes we were playing some game i think it's categories and uh, one of the questions was uh what's your dad's worst nightmare and all three of my kids put Carly Jones. Oh man, I'm that cold. <laughs> yes, coach. I'm the same way. Like he's he's getting Player of the Year nominations over at Louisville right now, and I'm like, no. Yeah. When, when is Carly gonna graduate? But that <laughs> that was an awesome uh, awesome experience up there at Radford and Liberty. The Liberty faithful came out that championship, like just rode up there at Radford. But uh, next question, coach, is basically um, about the extra year of eligibility. Um, how does that impact basketball? Have you guys had those conversations yet with the seniors? Um, anything, anything regarding that, or is, are we still just kind of waiting till the off season for those conversations? Yeah, I think we've, we've told Chris and Elijah that we would cross that bridge when we come to it. And, uh, both those guys have, well, Elijah's, you know what he's meant to our program. He, he's really, uh, we wouldn't be where we are without Elijah Cuffey. I'll just put it that way. So if he wanted to have an extra year, obviously we would afford him that opportunity. And uh, I think he's going to have options and I want what's best for Elijah. It, you know, again, if we had a player that could declare for the draft and be a one and done or have a chance to, uh, to create a, a, a way of living for he and his family, I would fully support it. I, I think God is in control of 
uh, your program as long as you honor the people that you've been entrusted uh, to steward or to shepherd. And we want to we want to do that. So, uh, and then Chris, well, he's been a he's been a, a great blessing to us. Uh, again, I think he'll have some opportunities after uh, this season as well. And but uh, either one or both, if uh, if that was something that uh, they had a heart to do, then certainly we would acquiesce. Very cool. So this last one, uh, just reading through all the questions, there's so many. I'll, I'll just get to the to the last one is about the Liberty Arena, and and you and I just kind of alluded to that experience that we had in at Radford, and how fun that was in such a small environment, but to be a packed yeah. house. Coach, I'm coming to these games and and sitting up there, and and we kind of got 250 people there, and it's already loud, and we're already so close to the court. I am yeah. fully anticipating all that that comes with the 4,000 fans in the Liberty Arena. Is that something that you just can't like? Are you very excited about that? Do you think it'll be an environment that'll be almost uh, uh, very advantageous for us? I mean, we already have a great record at home, but are you looking forward to that as much as we are? Uh, no doubt, Chad. Like it, again, the way we closed out the vines like that was special and uh i think those seniors will take that memory and what how they labored what they accomplished and and that'll that'll be one of those lifetime highs you know and it, when when i was asked what do you think the seating capacity could should be uh i, I just thought the smaller the better the more intimate uh the, the more demand that's created I just think you're going to have a raucous uh, electric home court advantage. And uh, our guys have done a great job of, of protecting our home court. And uh, again, streaks are streaks are just that they're, they're eventually going to come to an end and we don't ever talk about it or pay much attention to it. We just want to, we want to play the best we can for 40 minutes. But I think you're a thousand percent right, Chad. If that, if that place had 3000 in it, man, it would create a six, seven point advantage for the home team. It, it is a spec spectacular venue, and uh, we're really, really blessed and privileged to call it home, man. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, yeah. coach, before I got let you go, I got to let you know that Ellie has jumped in the chat here and said, "Oh no," Car she said, "Carleek uh -oh. Jones." That's the only two it's, words she said. So, man, coach, it is it is rough on all fronts here. Yeah, but, uh, you know what? Let me let me say something about that young lady because uh, no, I'm really proud of her. It 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 doesn't surprise me that she jumps on. She's she's got that. She could have a master's in social media for as much as she uh, she's on her phone. You know, she she works for NBC and uh, and and is really good at her job. <clears throat> but one day I'm actually going to I'm going to get a social media account and I'm going to have her run it. Um, that's one day. The problem is she's in constant negotiation for a salary. And I, I feel like it should be, you know, I, I feel like that should be part of the. Uh, the uh, obligation of uh, of the oldest child. What, what do you think, Chad? Uh, Coach, I'm staying completely out of that one. I, <laughs> I do know this. I do know this that she is very good on Twitter, and I know that um, I know that raising kids. I think I read a stat. It's like $180,000 to raise there a kid. Go. So, Coach, you you've go. got you've got it coming from both ways. So, um, <laughs> thank you very much for your time, Coach. We can't wait till man. It seems like this week just kind of just drug by. Looking forward to some more Liberty men's hoops, man. It's so fun to watch. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, continued success, and uh, we'll chat with you down the road. Hey, Chad, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for all you do for uh, Flames Nation. <clears throat> Our fans are better uh, equipped because of your sacrifice and, uh, and your affinity for us. So thank you, man. Really appreciate you. And, uh, 
Liberty Flame fans out there, Flames Nation, bless you and uh, thanks for your support. Thanks, Coach. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, great to be with you, Chad, and uh, exciting time to be talking Liberty Athletics. Um, yeah, so we'll hop right in. We got a whole slew of questions here. Um, we will hop right in. And uh, thank you to everybody on Twitter who um, hopped in the DMs there and told me, uh, gave me some questions for Ian. So I really appreciate that. We had a lot of fun. Uh, there's a group of us. And they were all interested to, I, I basically put it out there and said, hey, I want to be interviewing Ian. And what do you guys want to know? And so a lot of these come from those guys. And uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun, the Twitter community we've built. And um, this is a result of some of that. So Ian, you're not answering my questions. You're answering the questions of the masses, of the people. So uh, let's hear from Flames Nation. Yes. So what has been the feedback on the Liberty Arena so far? I know we've had a volleyball match in there, had a women's game in there, basketball, and we had a men's basketball game. What is the feedback? What are fans saying? I see you kind of uh, walking around, shaking hands, making sure everybody is uh, enjoying themselves. What's been the biggest, what's been the feedback back so far on um, the Liberty Arena? Well, as you'd expect, the, the feedback's been overwhelmingly uh, positive from student athletes, coaches, uh, the fans. It, it's uh, it's been, been really overwhelming, and uh, um, you know we're looking forward, to obviously, being able to fill up the arena and uh, having the full effect of our students and fans to uh, to see what it, it's going to be like on a on a normal basis. But people have been very impressed. Uh, video board, the ribbon boards, uh, some of the graphics, uh, just the overall. Uh, uh, game day atmosphere have all been things that people have, uh, have pointed to. So let's jump right into like, a, <laughs> it's a super complicated topic, but I got a couple questions around the NIL. Um, how big of an impact will the NIL have on college athletics in general? Well, it remains to be seen what the final NIL legislation will look like, but based on what we've seen right now, uh, it's certainly going to change college athletics. Uh, Liberty wants to be uh, very proactive. And so we've been um, putting together a program called SOAR, where we're uh, preparing our student-athletes to help them uh, build their brand and uh, in order so they're able to capitalize on the opportunities that are available. But it's still early at this point. Uh, we now understand there's some congressional uh, intervention in this as well. So uh, I think it'll continue to unfold here over the next uh, six months or so. Yeah, one of those is going to be revenue sharing. Is revenue sharing going to be part of the NIL? If it is, um, where do we rank amongst our peers with revenue generation? Just as an athletics department, um, where do we rank with our peers, be it our conference, uh, G5 opponents? Mm -hmm. Where do we rank kind of amongst the people we compete against um, on a national level? Where do we rank in, in revenue generation? Yeah, so I, I don't expect that... Um Revenue sharing is going to be part of NIL at this point. Uh, I do think that NIL is going to open up so student-athletes will have opportunities outside of athletic revenues uh, to uh, capitalize on their brand and, uh, and generate income. But uh, I don't think it'll be uh, um, part of the uh, athletic department revenue proper in terms of what they're, they're going to share in. In terms of where we rank, uh, obviously, we we're making great progress. Uh, this has been a unique year with uh, COVID and the attendance restrictions and so forth, but uh, our trajectory is excellent, but we still have a long way to go in terms of getting our revenue generation where we'd like it to be. That's that's uh, good to hear about revenue sharing. I, I, a couple other questions about the NIL. 
What is the best way fans can contribute to that revenue generation? We, uh, we talk a little bit about, is it season tickets, Flames Club, uh, other ways? Uh, what is the biggest way that, that fans can contribute to that revenue generation? It, what's, what has the most? I know we could probably do it all, but if we had to go one route, where, do, where does the school see the biggest benefit in revenue generation from fans? Well, the biggest thing we need to do uh, as an athletic program and, and really as, a, as an institution, we need to continue to grow our base. We're still, again, a very young school, and uh, we need to, uh, to grow uh, all of our numbers, season tickets, Flames Club members, uh, and certainly there's never been a better time to get involved in Liberty Athletics than, than right now. But in terms of where to start, the best point of entry for, uh, for our fans is the Flames Club, and that's the best way to get involved. They support our teams and our student-athletes. And then through them, there are opportunities for uh, ticket privileges and parking privileges and, and all different ways to, uh, to support the overall athletic program or individual sports. Our last question about the NIL and just revenue generation is basically, um, how, can, how can LU, you've already spoke about SOAR, and I think LU is in such a good position with our digital platform and everything that we've been building so far, but where do you see um, LU leveraging the NIL, no matter what the decision by Congress is, into a competitive advantage for our school? Well, ideally, NIL won't impact the recruiting process. That's certainly the desire uh, in the college athletics community, uh, community is that student athletes wouldn't make a decision on what school to go to based on NIL revenue. Um, so really what we're focusing on right now through the, the SOAR program is we want to be a national leader in helping our student athletes build their personal brands do it the right way so that it has a lasting effect, you know, far beyond their, their years at Liberty and, and that they'll uh, represent their, themselves well, well through that. And uh, we're really doing it through uh, education and support, and we've established some partnerships with, uh, with industry leaders. So uh, we want to do everything we can to support our student athletes within NCAA rules. So you told me a couple of years ago that Lynchburg and, and the community reminded you a lot of Waco in, in a way. And uh, when you first got there, so have you seen that same growth? Obviously, you had a big boom at Waco with, with the community getting involved and, and building the stadium and whatnot. Um, have you seen that same growth in the Lynchburg surrounding area and with Flames Nation? And uh, is that still a major focus? I know it's, it was a major focus when you got here. Is that still a major focus, the athletics department, to bring in those, those Lynchburg folks in that surrounding areas, to bring them into Flames Nation? It is, Chad. It's a real priority. And uh, I do see a lot of parallels between uh, Baylor and maybe 2011, 2012, when we were starting to experience some success in, in football and basketball to where Liberty is right now, as we're you know really getting on the map nationally in terms of uh, our football program and our basketball program. And so we need to do a lot of the same things that uh, helped us uh, thrive at Baylor. And we need to be able to continue to build on our momentum and uh, engage Flames Nation and and also be grateful for the support that we have from uh, the university community and, and our university leadership. Those are all cr critical things. And again, if we can have everyone pull in the same direction, there, there are going to be some special things happening in the years to come. Yeah, it seems like we're headed that way. And, and what did you learn about connecting a Christian university to the local community in Waco? I mean, you know, you know we, with, as a Christian university, connecting to the, to the locals sometimes is, is a little bit different than a public university. So what did you learn in that from Baylor that has kind of translated well to Lynchburg? Yeah, I think one thing is it's a process. It's not something that just happens overnight. It, it takes a lot of deliberate, intentional work on the part of a lot of people. And 
you know, we've made great gains uh, in a number of areas. One would be uh, our corporate sponsorship. You know, we're up very significantly there. Uh, our corporate partnership uh, program is, is up over 50%. So we're growing our relationships with uh, the business community. I think our relationship with uh, Lynchburg is growing and improving. And uh, we have some really strong community partners uh, with the Lynchburg Alliance and, and, uh, and others. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, one of the things that really helps is successful athletic programs elevate the, the profile of the community. They create all kinds of residual benefits for, for everybody. So again, if we continue to all pull in the same direction, all work together, uh, there's a, a lot that uh, can be accomplished that will serve Liberty well, but also serve uh, Greater Lynchburg extremely well also. So uh, moving on to men's hoops, did, did LU attempt to host the men's basketball tournament and uh, what were some of the factors in relocating to Jacksonville? Yeah, the, the ASUN leadership made a decision to uh, go away from uh, home sites and uh, uh, locate the, the men's and women's basketball tournaments in a neutral central location. So the, the women's tournament's going to Atlanta, the men's tournament's going to Jacksonville. Uh, it really wasn't a, a bid process or a, a, an opportunity for us to uh, to secure that event, we would love to if possible, but the idea was a central location so that all teams could bus to, to those sites if necessary, uh, given a lot of the uncertainty about uh, travel that uh, that's uh, taking place right now. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I hadn't thought about that, and that's uh, probably why I'm not a commissioner of a, of a FPS NCAA D1 conference. So um, fans, we love coaching searches. I know it's just, it just is what it is. It's we love the drama. We love, it's so interesting to follow and keep up who's where and why did he leave and where's he going type thing. Uh, do ADs love it just as much? Like obviously you have a vested interest because it's part of your job, but do you spend a lot of time with coaching lists and searches and keeping up with other jobs and hearing what coaches are saying? What do you keep up with that? Do you think that maybe fans keep up with that more than maybe an athletic director does? What is your, how much time do you spend in that? Yeah, I, I certainly pay attention to, uh, to coaching searches and, and uh, you know, am consulted in, uh, in, in some cases as well. Uh, I think it's important to be attentive to the, uh, to the industry and, and what's, what's taking place. And uh, um, how uh, how the marketplace may be evolving and in, in trends that, uh, that you may see. So um, you always need to be prepared as an AD in the event that uh, you know there's a coaching change that takes takes place. And so uh, I do uh, I do track on those and probably look at it through a different lens than fans do. But but it is something that uh, I do pay attention to. Yeah, I would, I would I think I would hope that you had a different lens than most of us. There's a, a, a little off. So um, I've, I've already answered my second this next question. Um, there was a Flames Club email that came out that basically said there's going to be 100 baseball tickets on sale due to the, the 250 restriction and, and player tickets and stuff. So that'll be great. Can't wait to get up to uh, can't wait to get up to Lynchburg to uh, try to watch a baseball game this spring. Uh, looking forward to what Coach Jackson's doing there. Will athletes uh, take the vaccine? Have they taken the vaccine? Do we have a protocol for that? Or is that something we leave to personal decision? Is it a conference thing? Is it a school thing? How does the vaccine work? Um, I, and, and I'll just give some little preface behind this. You know, a lot of a lot of us, we are either mandated or very highly suggested to get the vaccine by our place of employment. I was wondering if that was the same thing with athletes. Yeah, good question, Chad. You know, we haven't received any uh, information about the vaccine for our staff or student athletes at this time. Obviously, as as the rollout's taking place, I know they're prioritizing 
uh, healthcare workers and the elderly and so forth. But I do expect at some point that uh, vaccines will be made available to the campus community, which would include certainly uh, our athletic staff and our coaches and student athletes. And I would expect that some will be eager to uh, take the vaccine and there may be some others who elect not to, but um, um, at some point I do believe we'll have uh, availability. My guess would be that would be the probably late spring uh, would be about that time. Okay, right, so, so obviously we all love Twitter. We get a lot of our news on Twitter. We interact with fans on Twitter together. Uh, Flames Nation Twitter community has kind of grown a ton this last several months since football. It's kind of blown up. So the question is, do you have a Twitter burner account so that you can keep up with all this information and kind of just remain anonymous in maybe your replies or just to, just to keep up with things? And uh, do you have a Twitter burner account is the question. Well, well I'm not um, elite when it comes to Twitter like SJ2 or Coach Freeze or some of those that were competing for the, the, the Twitter championship. Um, so uh, I just have my uh, my standard account at Ian underscore McCaw one, and um, so I, I kind of track things uh, <laughs> uh, through that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, enjoyable to watch uh, the Twitter activity among uh, among many of our uh, our coaches and, and fans and and uh, the interaction that takes place. And uh, I'm excited that we are growing a sense of community through uh, through social media. That's great. So uh, finally, is a request. And I will actually second this request. Uh, can we get some of that light blue gear in the bookstore? I love the way it looks. And I went to the bookstore the other day before the volleyball game, was hunting around and didn't see any of the light blue. Uh, when can we get some of that in the bookstore? I know you probably don't even control any of that, but you probably have some pool if you could put a word in with uh, Barnes & Noble for us. Yeah, you know, the university, Chad's really been uh, consistent in, uh, you know, the traditional red, white, navy, blue uh, branding. And, uh, you know, we do have unique uh, colors. And uh, uh, as a result of it, um, we, we haven't had as much latitude to incorporate some um, non-traditional colors as we'd like. We've recently gotten permission to uh, add some accent colors on our uniforms up to about 20%. And um, so I, I think you'll see uh, more of our programs take advantage of doing some of that. Um, but I don't look for a, uh, a surge of light blue apparel if, if that's what you're hoping for. Okay. That's good. That's good. And, uh, as long as there's none of the, uh, well, I told you this the first time we ever talked and I guess it was, oh, wow. How long have you been at Liberty now? Three plus years? Um, yeah, four years, four years. I, I, the first time we talked, I said, Hey, as long as it's not camouflage and neon, I would be okay with it. And, uh, so Anyway, I appreciate your time, Ian. Um, everybody is uh, was was really eager to to get these questions in front of you, and it's just fun to, fun time to be a Flames fan. We have so much going on. You've called it the golden age, and we just we're winning everywhere we turn. The, the community's growing, and we're getting um, tons of great content from from LibertyFlames.com and and so on. So, um, Ian, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we will catch up with you. I'm sure this weekend at a basketball game. Great, thanks, Chad. Appreciate it.